Welcome to SelfDiscoveryRadio.com, where the discovery of self has put a show away. With a thousand plus archive shows and new shows coming to you every Tuesday, we bring you illuminating people from around the globe. Visit our store for their services and books and enjoy the show. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, everybody. Welcome back to another edition of Their Story Matters. I'm your host, Sarah Troy, and my guest today is Rob Shear. Foster children. Can you believe that foster children are still being pushed around from one home to another and all they have to carry with them is a garbage bag? Yeah, a garbage bag. Can you believe their entire belongings are in a black plastic bag? This is something that has to stop. Where is the dignity? Where is the respect? Where is the love? Certainly not with a garbage bag and for children being tossed around. Well, Rob was one of those children when he was young where his um, abusive family parents uh, died and he was sent into the foster home with that plastic bag. Years later he decided to foster children himself when he fell in love um, he decided that that was it you know we're going to adopt we're going to have foster children or we're going to adopt children and lo and behold when the children came to him they had a black plastic bag. Well this set things in motion a motion to have bags for children, foster children, so when they are shunted around, they have something of their own that they can take with them. He has adopted, or he and his husband have adopted four children, giving them a chance at life that others wouldn't have. He had to fight for that adoption because, yes, he is gay in a gay marriage. That really shouldn't count, should it, folks? Really, it's about the love and what you can do for the kids. There's so little love in this world, and wherever you can get it, that's where we must grasp hold of it. So let's find out how this whole process came about, uh, what the bag movement is doing now, and what we need to change in the system, because, my God, are there some changes that are needed. So let's welcome Rob to the show. Hello, Rob. Hi, Sarah. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, well, thank you so much. And, you know, thank you so much for your dedication and your passion towards this cause. Uh, it's a very simple thing that means so much, doesn't it? You know, it really does. And I will tell you that you there's no thanks needed. I'm doing what we all should be doing, and that's leading by example. You know, it's an actual privilege for each and every one of us to be able to give back to our community. And that's the way we should be raising our kids. Yes, exactly. Um, maybe the reason we have such a, a, a disconnected society is because that disconnect starts at home. And, uh, you know, parents went out to work all the time, full time. And, uh, you know, the kids were just either latchkey kids or, you know, feeling there wasn't any communication. You come from a very disruptive family yourself. Um, but you decided to break the chain. So many people you know, kind of go out and repeat it, even in a different way. So what was it about your strength or what was in you that you decided that you were, go, go, were not going to repeat that pattern? You know, it's, I, I have that question asked uh, quite a bit to me. And, and I will tell you, for me personally, um, I didn't want to be a statistic. You know, even as a young boy, um, I knew about, as they called, those kids. And I just didn't want those to be one of those kids and you know coming from the the family that I came from you know I'm the youngest of 10 kids watching my mother in and out of shelters and you know being abused um you know it, it just 
I didn't want that cycle anymore, and I refused to allow society to define me by a trash bag. Exactly. Um, but there had to be some inner strength in there, and because there's so many other children. That, you know, I'm sure you have brothers and sisters that um, still fell through the cracks, that still kind of carried the cycle on. You know what? You are ex exactly correct. You know, I, I, I did have brothers and sisters that, you know, um, continued the cycle and still to this day continues the cycle. And, and you know, um, I look at the, the foster care system and, and, you know, what we're doing is, you know, we're graduating foster children from the foster care system into our prison system. Yeah, I know. Um, you know, if you look at, at the statistics that, that we, we are seeing right now, you know, adult children, adults who have been in the foster care system, suffer from PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder, at a twice the rate as our combat veterans. That right there, that statistic alone should tell people that we have a shattered system. Oh. Absolutely. And you can't blame it. I mean, as you said, straight into the prison systems. And, you know, if if all they have known is living in fear, um, you know, uh, waiting for the next hand to hit them or the sexual abuse that goes on, um, you know, the, the neglect that goes on. And you expect them to grow up to be whole, wholesome, contributing human beings to society. It's not going to happen. No, and it's not going to happen when we exit them out of the system with a trash bag. Right. And literally, yeah. that's it. Um, we do, you know, I, I hear quite often, you know, people will talk about, well, we're trying to prepare them when um, they, they become of age and when they age out. Well, we've got to do more than prepare them. We have to be there for them. Um, I know, for instance, with my four children, you know, my oldest daughter, she's now 12 years old, and, you know, I could not imagine that when she turns 21 or when she turns 18 or when she turns 19, because for some reason none of the states can get together when a child ages out, I can't imagine her not being able to have her family and not be able to come home when she needs to or not be able to have a roof over her head when she needs it even if she does slip and fall. But children in foster care, that's exactly what is happening. You know, they have no home. They age out. They're given no, you know, stipend. They're not, you know, I, I always, it blows my mind when I hear the amount of money that is pumped into our foster care system, the, the stipend that a foster parent gets every month, and then when that child turns 18, that child has nothing. So, you know, for me, we need to financially, mentally, physically prepare these children for adulthood because, again, as I said, the only thing we're doing is taking them from foster care to prison. That's it. You know, we have, we're short-sighted, aren't we? Because these children are our future leaders. They're the future decision-makers. Uh, you know, what, what they know, how they feel about life, whether they feel loved or whether they feel angry, whether they feel lost or whether they're educated, um, you know, whether they have a home, all of this comes into play in, you know, the, the future of decision making. And if you have, uh, you know, so many children suffering from post-traumatic stress disorder, having no home, not feeling loved, just feeling passed around, well, that's going to transcend into, you know, new rules and, and regulations and new crime. We're seeing the evidence of that now. 
exponentially and yet people still don't seem to wake up to that and when when we say that we're talking about the system and the government which i think at the present moment is even cutting back even further and you're right and you know one of the things people you know as much as i i want to say that my family has started a movement there's lots of people out there who do not want us to talk about foster care. They do not want us to shine light into this system because the fact is is that they want us to believe that there's nothing wrong with our system. I am here to tell you that this system is shattered. I tell my children all the time, if you break a toy, bring me that toy, bring me the super glue, we can put it back together. You know, and that's normally what happens when things are broke. But when things are shattered, they must be rebuilt. And this system that we have called the foster care system, it is shattered and we need to rebuild it. And it's got to start from the ground up. And that means starting from the time the child walks into care that we're not giving them a trash bag. Yeah, exactly. You know, that synonymous trash bag is kind of like treating them as trash, isn't it? Um, it's exactly what it is. Yeah. It's exactly, you know. You're not worth anything. You know, you, <laughs> You're you're no you're worth no more than trash. Right. And you know I was I had the, the the fortunate honor to speak to some third graders today, and um, and I talked to them about you know what would you feel like if someone gave you a trash bag and told you to to, to take this trash bag and 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 carry your belongings on your your vacation that you're getting ready to go on for spring break. And a little girl, ten years old, raises her hand and she says. I would feel like you don't care. Exactly. And I said, you get it. You get it. That's what children feel. You know, at the end of the day, you know, as you said, kids do not care whether they have two dads or two moms. They don't care that the skin color is different than theirs. What they care about is that they're wanted, that they're loved, and that they're safe. And that's what we need to get back to with our children that are in care. You know, I try to say to people all the time, I really don't like the word foster. I don't like the word step. I don't like the word, you know, um, adopted. I mean, I like the word their children and we're their parents. Yeah. And that's what we all need to get back to is that these are children. We should not label them as foster children, make them feel different. They are children who, by the way, we need to remember, they did not ask to be in this situation. Yeah, yeah. None of they this was their choice whatsoever, right. They were brought into this situation because of choices. And let me repeat myself, choices that other people made. See, I talk about my son, for instance, who's now 10 years old, who came to us when he was two with alcohol fetal syndrome. He came to us with sensory disorder. He came to, to us with ADHD. He came to us with the, on the autism spectrum. And he came to us because of the choices, again, the choices that his mother made, the choices that she made to pick the crack pipe up, the choices she made to put him in harm, the choices she made. Never did Mackay make these choices. Yeah. He was given this, and now he's told to deal with it. And so as a child in foster care, that's what we're seeing all the time. You know, here in, in the United States, 463,000 children, and every year that number is increasing, every single year. We also have, you know, children having children, you know. Um, oh, 
and it's uh, you know they're not equipped to f for it at all um and, you know th these are the kids that go into the foster care the forgotten kids um and it's you know a lot of the time you can't blame that young parent because they're they're oh. the victim of the system and and uh, oh she's pregnant you know throw her away um i oh i i'm going to tell you that that is that is an issue, another issue that we have. I mean, look at the statistics, and these statistics that, that I quote you are, are from the Casey Foundation that just came out, and this one statistic, which, I, I, you know, I look at my daughter, who's 12, as I said, 71% of the females who age out of foster care will be pregnant by 24, 50% of them will have had a child by the time they're 18. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's unacceptable. Yeah. It's unacceptable. And, and a lot of the time, is is they just want someone to love, don't they? That's exactly what it is. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. You know, it, it, these these young ladies who have never been shown truly what love is, um, that's all they want. They want something of their own. Mm -hmm. So what they know that they can have of their own is a baby. And that's why I have talked to these young women who have had children because they wanted something of theirs, something that belonged to them. They, because they felt like the object that they now are, their children are the object. It's just a cycle. Yes. Instead of, you know, what we need to be doing is, you know, helping these kids. Look at, you know, half of the adults who were in foster care, they're going to experience serious mental health problems. That's documented. Mm -hmm. You know, we need to do something and do something now because it is an epidemic. You know, there's another scary side of this, and I've done a few shows on this, on uh, um, the sex trade. And, of course, you know, foster kids, you know, but very often become street kids. Um, you know, and as you said, at a certain age, just tossed out there. You're kind of ill-equipped for the world you know, they're prime pickings. And, you know, I was shocked with, with this latest show that I did where the sexual uh, industry um, globally is a $150 billion industry a year. And, you know, we, we wrap yourself around that number and that the real common denominator down there is the sickness that lies behind it. And we actually have to understand that that sickness really does stem from the people not being loved not being cared for, not being valued, because anybody that's uh, in their own self-worth, their own self-love, um, who really cares for humanity could not do this sexual exploitation. But as it's such a, a rampant industry today, it, I think we're, if you actually looked at the people behind it, will be people that have not been loved, have not been cared for you know, who are hungry for that connection. And unfortunately, it's distorted itself into the sexual exploitation. It, it truly has. And, you know, uh, it, you know, just recently, you know, we've heard, we've seen some national headlines where these young girls who in the District of Columbia are, are missing. And if you start really looking into these, these are girls that are also, that some of, a lot of them were in the foster care system. Yeah. And how long have they been missing? Why are we ta not talking about this? You know, and again, these are the kids that are in the invisible children, as yeah. I've always said. You know, um, if, if you don't talk about it, then you can't say you know about it. And that's why I tell people all the time, we're going to talk about this. 
We're going to talk about these children. We're going to talk about the statistics. We're going to talk about the fact that only 3% of foster children will go on to graduate college. That half of the children that age out of foster care, by the time they're 24, they're unemployed, living in a shelter. We haven't prepared them for anything. Or they get caught up in, in, you know, in the gangs. They get caught up in in the crime because again it's they're just looking to belong aren't they you know and the gang leaders will make them feel oh your brother your sister you know you got a family here and in the next thing you know they're caught in that cycle as well uh, you know fundamentally the human condition just wants to know that we're here for a reason that somebody cares about us you know that that we're loved and that we're able to love back. I mean, it's that is the common denominator of um, of humanity. Yet it seems to be something that we place the least value on. We, we and you're exactly right about that. And I will tell you that I have been had the fortunate opportunity to speak to so many kids that have aged out of the system. And the one thing we all say, and I say this, we just want. To be wanted that's all yeah. and for a child not to feel wanted we have failed that child yes and we're failing ourselves because you know that love that a child that beautiful pure divine love that a child gives someone who loves them it's so honest it's so pure it hasn't got an agenda um, you know when you're loved by a child like that um, because you love them so purely it, it is there's nothing better than that i you know what i you i couldn't have said it better i you know i am blessed that i get that joy every single day with my four children you know my kids we we talk about foster care you know i tell my children all the time be proud of where you came from just remember that life is about choices and my children came to us they were six months, two, two, and four. Um, and, you know, little did we ever think that we were going to be parents, much less be parents to four children. You know, nine years ago when my, my then partner, now husband, and I decided to be parents, um, we didn't know any other gay people that even had kids. Um, we knew that it was going to be a battle no matter what, and that was the reason we decided to actually, you know, adopt overseas. And it wasn't until we were sitting down watching a TV show and they started talking about foster children, my, my husband looked at me and said, explain to me again why we're not adopting kids in foster care. And I said, because I told you the story about those kids. And that aha moment that I mm-hmm. had, realized yeah. that I had let those kids down. I was one of those kids. You know, and so now I see my children and I say to them all the time, you know, I can't make up for the years that I put my back against those kids, but I will tell you right now, with my dying breath, I'm going to say that I'm going to make sure that we all talk about kids in foster care because we owe them that. Yes. You know, we have no right to bring children into the world, you know, without love, without a chance at life you know, without the ability to grow. I mean, they're, they're a beautiful tree that should branch out in life because they're deep-rooted in love. And if we don't nurture that tree, if we don't water it, if we don't care for it, you know, it's going to wither and die. And 
we have far too many walking dead walking this planet at the present moment and they're people that are so disconnected because they do not feel they belong and this is why money has ha become so powerful because everybody thinks that the dollar will fix it you know if i buy something bigger and brighter and tinselier and uh, it makes me more important and we have so got it wrong um your ivory tower your big bucks in the bank your flashy car does not make you a person who is loved admired or respected um was we see evidence of that in, in a great deal in society they're very hungry for love and they subsidize it with you know with glitter with money with power and uh if we fed them right from the word go love and respect and nurture imagine what kind of forest we would have today oh it would be so beautiful mm -hmm. you know it would be so beautiful and i agree with you you know and and i will tell you i have met some amazing foster parents but the problem is they're far and few in between and this has become a money-making industry yes um we have forgotten why foster care was put in place in the for children and instead the only thing we're looking at now is the money that it's pumping into homes and children are not being taken care of when i look at the fact that my children for example that they have been in several other foster homes and arrived in our home still carrying a trash bag mm. that's an issue yeah you know I, I i will give it to the fact that you had to arrive into the first home you know they normally arrive with the shirt on their back but the fact that you have gone to st several other homes and you're still exiting a foster home with a trash bag, where is that stipend really going to? I have four kids, as I said. I know how costly it is to raise a child. But you're not, when you raise a child, you must provide for a child as well. And if the state is giving foster parents a stipend, then that money needs to be used not only for the roof of that child, but for the nourishment of that child. And nourishment is more than just food. Yes, absolutely. Um, everybody wants to know they belong. And if you make them just feel they're in transit, uh, they can't root, um, you know, or nobody cares, they're just a dollar sign, you know, then where is their worth? Um, they're constantly going to be searching for it in life and, and very often in the wrong places. Um, you know, also what shocks me is th the amount of times that children are passed from one foster care to another. You know, it's, I know that your adoption system is quite hard in the U.S. Um, you know, and that's the saddest part about it is that how hard it is. You know, um, it, it's, it is absolutely, it blows my mind First of all, just to let people know that to adopt a child in foster care, um, it should not be a hard process. Um, it should not be a costly process. And there are amazing opportunities. There's amazing um, states that, that provide the, the, uh, what it takes and the cost, and they provide you an attorney. Um, for two gay white men n nine years ago, we were never told that. Mm -hmm. um, we were, you know, never told how if you adopt a child from foster care that the state would actually pay for the adoption. Um, it cost my husband and I a little over $80,000 wow. to adopt our wow. children. And to find out years later that if we were a 
married straight couple, that would have cost us zero. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, you know, it, it we need to make sure that people understand that it doesn't, it's not a hard process. It just is a committed process. But you know, um, th- there's, something, there's something I want to hit on here, though. $80,000. You can't afford to give a kid a clothing or, or or a bag to carry their stuff on, you know, to, to help that child find some sort of security. But $80,000, I'll sell you to her family. That's what that feels like. Yeah, yeah. $80,000. Imagine that $80,000 if it actually went into the children. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Instead... Instead, what we had to do was we had to pay for an attorney who had to have bonding study experts done. We had to pay for an attorney who had to convince a court system that we were not going to turn our boys gay because we were gay. We had to convince a court system that just because the color of our skin was different than our four children did not mean that our children would suffer, that they would not know the who they were. We had to convince a court system that we were okay to be parents. Mm. And just because we were of the same sex. And, and I remember, as we said in the trial, and one of our children's mothers said on the stand, and when the judge said to her, mind you, her son came to us with three broken ribs and bleeding of the brain. Wow. And the judge wow. said to her, explain to me the reason why you do not feel that they will be good parents to your son. And she looked at us and said, because they'll turn my boy gay. I mean, I can tell you right now, I have been blessed to meet thousands and thousands of homosexuals, and never once have I met anyone who has said they have chosen this lifestyle. Right. It yes. is not a lifestyle. Yeah. This is the way we were born. And I will, I will tell you, I would never want to be, you know, deal with the, the racism, the, the, the prejudiced people that we have dealt with because of you know, the fact that I'm married to the same sex. And my kids say this all the time. It doesn't matter. What matters is daddy and dada love us. Exactly. That's what matters. Yeah, exactly. It's all about the love. Really, it doesn't matter what the parent, you know, I don't care, black, white, pink, polka dot, who cares? It's all about the love. And so few people are loved today. And, uh, you know, if gay people, multicolored people, who cares? It is about the love. And this whole thing about, you know, if you're in the presence of a gay person or if you touch them, you're going to turn gay. I mean, you know, it's it's so sad. You have to laugh at it uh, because if not, <laughs> you'll get, you know, you could go, you could lose your mind, couldn't you? Oh, you could. You could, <laughs> you could really lose your mind. Um, you know, I mean, we've had, I, I've, you know, in our almost nine years that we've had our children, we have had people come up to us and, you know, we've had people cuss at us. We've had people say, how dare you um, take our children. We've had people, we've had African-American people who have said that. We've had white people who have come up and said to us that we are harming our kids um, by having them in this lifestyle. Um, you know, I, I love the ones, though, that come up and they'll look at us and say, are they adopted? And I have the most amazing 10-year-old little boy who will look at them and say, no, we're not. (laughs) (laughs) 
And I say, Grayson, you get it? He's like, Dad. He's like, come on. He's like, you know, we're just a family that just happens to be different shades of color. Um, he says, you know, but why do people care? And I said, you know what, buddy, you're right. People shouldn't care. What they should care about is what's going on in our foster care system. Yeah. That's what we should be caring about. Yeah. We should be caring about the children that are forgotten. That's what we should be caring about. We should not be caring about the fact that two men walk down the street with four children who, by the way, are our world, our absolute world. And they get it. They get it. You know, when my son comes to me and tells me that he wants to take his allowance and, and, you know, buy something for comfort cases and to make sure a kid, you know, doesn't go without a toothbrush, um, they get it. They get it. See, at the end, it's our responsibility and it's our privilege to give back. And we need to teach our children that. Oh, boy. I mean, that is and the joy in giving back. You know, I'm very grateful for what I have and I'm going to share that gratitude by paying it forward. If we taught our children that, you know, we would have a much better world. Um, but things like gratitude and things like paying it forward and things about contributing to society is doesn't seem to be fundamentally taught, you know, at the family level nowadays. It's all about what can I get, what's in it for me, um, which that's the sickness in itself. You know, I know I don't know if this is true or not, but whenever I see a TV movie or a TV show where they go and take a child from a parent who just has, you know, made a decision um, not of her own fruition or, you know, um, uh, mixed in with the wrong crowd and that's it, that they take the kid and they throw it in foster care instead of helping the mother, you know, helping the mother you know. get the counsel she needs, get helping her get back on track. Just take the child, throw it in foster care. Now the child has been ripped from her mother, you know, or his mother and uh, wonders what they've done wrong to be taken away from their parent and the parents now deemed to be bad and the fight that they have to have to get their child back. And I don't know if this is just the movies or if this is true or not, but it always upsets me. So I'll shine some light on that and I will tell you that, you know, the majority of that is the movies, okay? So all four of our children that um, arrived in our home Um, arrived with the goal of reunification. It's what every child arrives in foster care, reunification. And so what that means is that there is a time, a window, where they're giving the birth parents an opportunity to get themselves together. We all fall down once in a while in our lives. And, And so they offer them anger management courses, they offer to pay for drug rehab, they help with housing, they help with getting them employed. I have seen the gambit. You name it, they're there to help. But by the way, you have to help yourself. Yes. You have to want that. So every single week when our children would go to visit their birth parents, with their supervised visit and the birth parent didn't show up or the birth parent didn't go to that anger management course or the birth parent didn't take the drug rehab class or the birth parent went MIA for months at a time, that child should not have to stand on the sidelines and wait. Yes, I agree. And so what, what we see happening is, you know, for those parents who, and I'm a big advocate of, of, of children re- being reunified. I think that 
We need to be there for those birth parents because guess what? We all have some bad luck. Yeah. We all are down at times. And we need as a community to be there and pick them up and keep that family intact. That is the most important thing. But there is also a time that a child deserves to get on with their life. And so after two years, mind you, two years, those birth parents can't get their act together. It's time for those children to get on with their life. And so that's why where we come from, there's an 18 months. You know, it goes from reunification, then it goes to adoption slash reunification, so you're still giving the parents time, you know, and then there, after 24 months, that child is being placed up for adoption. Now, mind you, even though they're being placed up for adoption, we still had to go for trial. We still had to prove to the courts that the mothers and the fathers were unfit, because here they've had two years to go to anger management course, go to drug rehab, go get a, an apartment, get a safe place for your child. And for two years, they just had excuses, excuses, excuses. Mm -hmm. And it was the, oh, poor me. Oh, this is, you know, the, the man's keeping me down. No, you need to think about what you need to do for your children. It's not about you anymore. When you give birth, whether you're a male or a female, when you make that decision to bring that child into this world, it's time for them. And so I have never experienced, you know, I've never experienced, I've never spoken to anyone where, you know, they have done everything they were supposed to do and the court system still kept their child away from them. Right. You know, I have seen many children who the, the, the birth parents have done what they needed to do and they were reunified with their parents, and I love that, you know. But they, the parents have to do as well. They can't expect their hand out all the time. They have to do. We need doers, not takers. Right. And the thing is, if, if that child isn't an incentive to get your life straight, then what is? Thank you. You're exactly right. And that, that you know, as, as we would take our children to, for their weekly visit and that birth parent wouldn't show up week after week after week yeah. after week, you know, and, and but still, we still had to go to the center and take them as they sat there and waited for the door to open up, for the mother to walk in, for the father to walk in, for the grandparents to walk in, and they didn't. The door didn't open. And that's, how does that make that, that child is, feel? You know, you don't love is, me or care about me enough. That's abuse right there. Mm -hmm. That is abuse right yeah. there for a child. Yeah. You know, and if you think that, that you know, we, they care about the child, well, the mental abuse that those children are going through by sitting there waiting for a, a, a birth parent to walk through the door and they don't show. Right. That's. You know, that's an abuse right there for a child. That's just as bad as giving a child a trash bag. Right. I mean, if the honesty was there, look, give me a few months, I'm going to need to do what I need to do, and then I'm going to come back into my child's life a different person. That's different. But Oh, you, I believe that. Right? Yep, I but, agree. But the teasing, you know, the, the you know, does mommy want me? In, the, there was, I don't, do you remember uh, the French uh, Prince of Bel-Air? Yes, uh, yes. There was a wonderful scene there once with Will Smith that drove me to tears. And it was one where his mother, or I think his father or mother, come back into his life. I think his father. 
and then his father left again and and you know he just breaks down into his uncle's arms and says just why am i not enough why am i not enough and that's really what children feel isn't it it's like why am I not enough for you to care about me to get your life straight? Now, you know, I can understand that you may be screwed up, I'd like to say a different word, because of what's happened to me. But at some point, we have to stop and look at our lives and go, how much am I going to still live in my victimization? And how mu where am I going to start taking responsibility and ownership for my life? And make the choice, decide to better my life and if a child in your arms doesn't give you that reason to do that, then I don't know what else does. You are exactly right, and that's exactly how I feel. You know, I would move heaven and earth for my four children, and, you know, they are my everything, and they're my husband's everything, and I cannot imagine being a parent who, you know, and, and don't get me wrong, I do believe in addiction. I believe that there is addiction, and I believe the addiction is outweighs love in so many yeah. ways. But if you are not willing to help yourself, you know, I, I've seen where, you know, fathers and mothers have, have, you know, been given an opportunity to go to drug rehab and go away to drug rehab. Get them out of the neighborhood. Get them yes. out of their, you know, their environment. What is in their environment. Change their footprint. And I believe children should be on a holding pattern while they do this. But when I see birth parent after birth parent not completing the course, running away from the course, you know, blaming the course, you know, that, those children do not need to keep waiting in a holding no. pattern. They, they deserve to get on with their life. Exactly. I, I totally agree, you know, because this child needs the daily love, you know, not to be put on hold while you decide what you're going to do. I, I've interviewed quite a number of people who have gone through addiction and they say you have to get to that point where you bottom out um, and then it's, it's a do or die. You know, it's a get up and fight or just curl up and die and they have to reach that level before it's enough and they can take those steps. Um, I, and, you know, those that turn around, you know, then then they fight for life in every way that they can. And I understand that, you know, like people have to bottom out. But if losing your child isn't a bottoming out. But yeah. I suppose what we have to look at, though, is this. They're not people that know love. They're not people that know, uh, you know, they don't have anybody that cares for them. And so kind of losing their child is just another loss to them. You know, and I, I suppose if you look at it that way, it's, maybe they didn't have the attachment to the child because they're incapable of attaching because they've never known attachment in their lives. Yeah, and you're right about that. You, you, you are 100% you are correct on that. I've seen many, many parents who, you know, they are a product of their environment, um, truly are a product of their environment, and they've never felt love, so they don't feel that love for that child. It's just an object. But we have more that... You know, again, it's a choice, and and I agree with you. Losing a child to me, you can't get any lower than than losing a child. So if if that is the case, when, what is really bottom? You know, yes. yeah. I, I I look at my daughter who you know she hasn't seen her mother since she was four years old. Not because, by the way, we've kept her from mm -hmm. her mother. We live in a state that is called what they call closed adoption. Um, we 
do not have to have any contact with the birth parents whatsoever. It is a choice we can make. It, we, the court doesn't require us to. But the one thing that we have always said to our children is that we will never keep you from your birth parents. As long as your birth parents do the following. Number one, they have to take drug rehab if they had drug issues. Number two, they have to take anger management if it was an anger management issue. Number three, they all must take parenting classes. And then number four, they must respect us. If they choose to do those four things, they can come and sit at our table and break bread with us. Right. We have never had a birth parent call us except for to ask for money one time. Um, we had another birth parent who would call and ask about one child but hasn't accepted the fact that the other child um, has issues, and the issues are because of the choices they made. Mm -hmm. um, we, you know, we, the, the thing that my husband and I both know that's going to happen is that our children, when they get older, they will never say to us, you kept us from right our birth parents. What they're going to say is that, you know what, dad and daddy, you gave them choices. Yeah. And they chose. Yeah. That's and it's not a reflection on the children. I think this is, this, I think every child, whether there's a divorce or whether they've been abandoned or whatever goes on in the family life, the child automatically takes it on and thinks they've done something wrong. And most important thing is to let that child know that the parent's choices has no reflection on them. Exactly. You're exactly right. You're exactly right. <laughs> it's very interesting. Uh, you know, I was brought up in, a, in a, a loving home for two parents who were brought up with not much love. Um, and I've recently just come back from the UK um, and had time with my brother and sister who were all a few years older than me. And uh, our mother had passed. So this was the first time in, I couldn't tell you how long, that uh, the three of us were together. And we came to a realization that we weren't brought up together. Um, they went to boarding school at the ages of five and six. I went at eight because I was a sickly child. Um, my father died when I was 11. My sister's a half-sister. Um, and she went to her grandparents and went to her aunts in the holidays and would just see her now and again. And I remember my mother saying to me, you've brought your children up the way you wanted to be brought up. And at that time, I hadn't realized that, you know, because I'm a cuddler, a snuggler, you know, a kisser. And, a, you know, um, and, uh, uh, you know, when when they fell down or made wrong decisions as a mama, I most certainly would speak out, but I'm there to help them get back up again. And I've got three beautiful adult children today that are very well respected in the world, which is wonderful. And it is interesting, like you, you made that choice not to go down the same path as your parents had as some as your siblings had but it, to strive to move forward to love in a way that you wanted to be loved and so you decided right there and then to make that choice to feed what you needed to be fed and yeah. when we make that choice it's it's kind of quite simple isn't it it is it is you know and and i i always from the time i was you know in my, my late teens, even as a homeless teenager when I aged out of foster care, I wanted to be a parent. I wanted to be a parent because I wanted to do the right thing, 
that wasn't done for me. Mm-hmm. I wanted a children, a child to know that they were wanted. I wanted a child to know that they were loved. I wanted a child to see the excitement in my eyes when they walked through the door from school. I wanted to be wanted. Mm-hmm. And I, that's, I knew that's what parents should be doing. And not having that, you know, I had an amazing foster mother for, for several years. Um, the problem is she just married a really bad person. And, um, but she is a woman, was an amazing foster mother. And she really did show me uh, some of the unconditional love. Um, and that was something that I wanted to pass on, is to show, show my children, you know, unconditional love. And then I met the most amazing man who happened to, by the way, has such a total opposite life than me. His parents just celebrated 52 years. He grew up in that typical perfect family. Um, and, you know, we're so opposite of that. And, but at the same time, he had the same goals that, he, that I had, that he wanted to have children because he wanted kids, he wanted to make a difference. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he was very lucky that he had such loving parents that never judged him. Or, or you know, how many, how many people come out and say, I'm gay, and the parents disown them? Yes. Many, oh. Far I mean, too many. You look at... Look at the teenage homeless rate. Yes. The majority of the teenage homeless rate is because of the fact that these kids have come out and, you know, have told people what they are, what they were born like, and instead of a family loving them and saying, you know what, it doesn't matter, they throw them out. Yes. um, Onto the street like garbage. Yeah. And, you know, it's, it's... what happens in my bedroom is not your business. Exactly. What, how, what, 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 how I treat people, that's what you should be concerned with. You know, that's what we all should be concerned with. We should be concerned with how we treat each other. I think we've that's become a sex-mad, uh, you know, society. You know, if, if all you can see when, you know, they look at you and your husband is sex, you know, and instead of looking at you as individual human beings, you know that's really where we're kind of losing it, isn't it? Who cares? It, it is. What, true. You know, it, it's all about you as a character, as a human being. What are you contributing to society? Are you somebody that I want to associate with? Do I believe in you? That is, you know, why I'm. You know, I'm a white woman, and uh, um, I interview people of all color, of all races, of all issues. And, of course, now what is happening, of course, is a lot of white bashing just because, you know, it's now become white against black, of course, which you, as white parents over black children, I'm sure you go through. And I say to people, you know, yes, each color has its culture. But if we stop seeing each other by, each, by the color and we start looking at each other from the soul, the heart and the spirit, the character, you know, we would actually truly see that we're all looking for the same thing. We're all looking for a meaningful purpose in life. We're all looking to be respected and loved. We're all looking at the ability to love and make a change in this world. And if we could get over the skin, if we could get over the, you know, the particular culture and look at the common denominator, I think as a human society, we'll be so much better. I, I agree with you on that 100%, you know. And we, you know, <laughs> I, we live in a small town um, I think there's like one other gay family in our town. Um, we go to PTA meetings and we go to, to our town hall functions. 
And I'm pretty lucky because this little town we live in, nobody looks at us and thinks, oh, there's the two gay guys. They just think they're, here comes Robin Reese with their kids, you know. And that's the way people should look at us. Yes, exactly, exactly. Um, You know, see the people. Stop seeing the sexual agenda or, or the, you know, the color of the race. See the people. And if we started seeing each other for who we really are, then we would truly actually understand what gems we are. You know, what a beautiful forest we can be. So let's talk about how people can contribute to the comfort cases, because you've started the, the foundation comfort cases, and it's a nonprofit organization which provides the backpacks and, and essential items like toiletries, pajamas, activities, and other items for children in foster care. So how can people contribute to that? You know, what, uh, what can they do? Well, first of all, you know, thank you so much for having this opportunity even to to be able to tell your listeners because, you know, it is again our responsibility to give back. It's our it's the reason we built community was to take care of each other. Yes. And so with comfort cases, we want people to, you know, help these kids not carry a trash bag. So they can visit comfortcases.org. Um they can, you know, help by pumping back into their own community what we all should be giving back, which is love and commitment, going and volunteering at boys' clubs, going to comfortcases.org. We could use soap and toothbrushes and brand-new pajamas. And, you know, I say this to everyone. The color of our skin isn't what separates us. It's our education level. So let's get these books and get them into kids' hands in foster care. For us, we, we've done a little over 20,000 cases, and we put a brand-new pair of pajamas. We put a toothbrush. We put a bar of soap. We put shampoo, conditioner, a book, and then a blanket. And I tell people, we do not put a blanket because we believe children are cold. We put a blanket because I want them to wrap themselves up in the blanket and let them know as a community, we love them. Mm -hmm. As a community, we care about them. But most important, as a community, we want them because every child just wants to be wanted. So if they visit comfortcases.org, they can read more about our story and how they can help not only, you know, with comfort cases, but how they can help in their community. Exactly. And this is something that you can get your whole family involved in. I think when kids who are in a happy environment, you know, who are, have everything, you know, when they understand that there are kids out there that might even be in their school system, instead of the judging and the pointing of the fingers, you know, maybe the kids' clothes aren't very good or they're dirty because the foster parent isn't washing them, you know, maybe pay attention, maybe reach out and and befriend those children, you know, um, listen to their story, show that you care, stop the segregation, you know, and I think the more we teach our kids to care, I think we're building a society that will start seeing things and acting in a different way. Yeah, and I agree with you. And, you know, as as we're ending this, I want to tell you, dear listeners, there's three things that I hope every single person does. And it's something that my husband and I have told our children from the time they entered our home. Number one, we hope that they all use their listening ears because I guarantee you every person you meet has a story. Number two, use your kind words because our history books have shown us never has anything ever changed with hateful words. Mm -hmm. But the most important thing is that they lead by example. 
We are all leaders, and we do not have the right to sit on the sidelines and not play the game. You need to get in there, into your community, and play. And that means require change in our system, our shattered system. Yes. And uh, the more you involve the kids in it, you know, the more you do it as a family. You know, you're st stepping up for families. Um, you know, very rarely it's just kind of one kid in the foster system. Very often it's an entire family and they get split up as well. So, you know, they've lost that link with themselves as well. So, you know, the more that you can do to bring them together, the more you can do to give them that dignity and that respect and that care and show them that, the, you know, they're not lost in the system, that you do care. Um, you know, the more we're building a better society for tomorrow. And I think it's a great example for our kids to be a part of um, because, you know, the word gratitude goes a long way. I had a young woman, um, she wrote, started writing her book when she was six and I interviewed her when she was nine. And she wrote this book, 365 Days of Gratitude with a Positive Attitude. And it was simply each day what she was grateful for. And it's just the simplicity of it. If we learn to be grateful for what we have, we start seeing what others don't have and then we can reach out to help others in a way that they need but step into gratitude uh, because that that attitude can teach respect and teach value and show us really what's needed to be done in the world um, it's wonderful what you're doing thank you so much and i think very brave of you because i know you've been you know upstream battle yourself but we need pioneers like you. We need people like you who are willing to go up against the storm and tell your story and uh, show how broken the system is. Well, thank you for giving me this opportunity. And, and you know, I, I've been quiet for, all, you know, for many, many years, over 30 years. And um, the best thing that I can tell is looking at my children and seeing in their eyes how proud they are of their dad for owning who I am. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and that's important for all of us. And just be kind, you know, be kind. Goes a long way, doesn't it? Kindness it does. goes a hell of a long way. So once again, the, uh, the site is um, comfortcases.org. Is that right? Yes, that is correct. Comfortcases.org. Um, we have our website that you can go and see how you can give back to your community and how you can help the over 463,000 children that are in our foster care system. And I have another site here, nomoretrashbags.org. Is that the... Yes. Right. That's exactly. You can go. We made sure that we covered both of them, and you know more trashbags.org will connect you to the site as well, um, and because we want to make sure that there are no more trash bags. Right. And of course, if anybody has a great idea of what you can do next or how, how you can reach out or, you know, want to book you to tell your story, you know, I think this is, please, you know, we've got to keep this going. We've got to keep this awareness going. The only way we can make change is when we're aware of what the problem is and be willing to I step agree. up. So, you know, thank you for sharing your story and thank you for doing what you're doing. And folks, please pass this show along and maybe in your own community. You can contact them about, you know, the comfort cases and, and be a part of it in your own community and start generating this because everybody can step up and do a little, right? You're exactly right, you know, and I truly do believe that one family can make a movement and that's what we've done. So thank you. Thank you very much. Um, and, uh, you know, bless you for what you're doing and uh, keep on doing it. 
So folks, please pay attention to what is going on in the world. These foster children are not garbage. They are human beings who deserve love and respect and guidance. Remember, we are custodians of our children, not owners. And we're here to give them all the fruitfulness and nurture that they need so they can grow strong and beautiful for our tomorrows. So the more we invest in our children, the better society we will have tomorrow. So please pay attention. Don't turn a blind eye. Reach out to comfortcases.org. It's a simple um a little thing that you're doing in purchasing a bag, maybe purchase many of the bags, maybe start it off in your own community, but please don't ignore, participate, um, because you are the difference that is needed. Bye for now, everyone.